Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Kevin Farrell sitting in for Karen Brown. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... A controversial Internet sales tax bill has passed the State House of Representatives. Listen in on floor debate from both sides. Folks, we need to be serious about our roads and bridges. I'm going to ask you to vote for this bill. Some people are going to tell you it's not a tax increase. It's just an action that results in people paying more taxes. Seriously, I mean, what kind of semantic games are we going to play with this? Then hear why Jackson State University will be returning more than a million dollars to the federal government. And in this week's book club, Mississippi author Michael Ferris-Smith takes us down Desperation Road. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi House of Representatives is voting to pass an Internet sales tax. House Bill 480 would apply to online businesses who ship more than $250,000 worth of goods per year to Mississippi, requiring those businesses to collect the 7% sales tax. Supporters of the bill point out that it requires 70% of the newly collected funds to be spent repairing roads and bridges. Debate on the House floor was passionate, as it always is, filled with hyperbole and even a little Southern-style storytelling. Plantersville Democrat Steve Holland spoke in favor of the Internet sales tax bill. It has been the mission of the majority of this legislature the last six years to whittle down the government. And I'll give you an A+. plus. You've done a pretty darn good job of it. It's down about as little as it can go and be still called a government. Everything from the public school system to the highway department, to the Department of Health, to mental health. No adult beds for males anymore for alcohol and drug because we've cut budgets, because we've cut taxes. We have cut taxes on corporations mainly the last six years. The big boys is what we've done. And I guess you're pleased with that. I'm not ashamed to go back to my district and say the government helps you. The government supplies a lot of your needs. The government provided a good school and planners full for myself, my wife, and our four children to go to. And I'm glad to pay my share. Now, I don't know. You can go semantically all you want and call this just cleaning up the tax law or new tax or whatever. You're going to have to make up your own mind. But the fact of the matter is the state of Mississippi needs this revenue. Now, that's, that's the bottom line on it. It takes a little cash to run the state of Mississippi. So those of you that's got to be consistent, cannot practice a little hypocrisy, you need to vote no. 
those of you that are day-to-day hypocrites, mask in the cloak of conservatism, vote yes. We need the money to run the Board of Health. Democratic Representative Steve Holland. Republican Representative Jeff Smith of Columbus crosses the aisle to agree with his Democratic colleague. Smith says football is a good metaphor for why he supports the bill. Let, let, me, let me tell you a story about a gentleman that used to sit right there, Clayton Henderson, and about how serious Rose LaFort was about football. Years ago, Rose LaFort was playing Holly Springs, and Clayton Henderson was, was probably the best running back in the state of Mississippi. I asked him one time, how fast was he? He said, I don't know, but nobody's ever outrun me. He was playing Holly Springs, and on the way to scoring a touchdown where he ran 98 yards, he got shot crossing the goal line. But he scored. He's serious about football. Folks, we need to be serious about our roads and bridges. I'm going to ask you to vote for this bill. Representative Jeff Smith. Representative John Hines is a Democrat from Greenville. He says Mississippi children should be driven to school over better roads and bridges. I'm actually glad to see this bill here. Now, this is why. We got children going to school on some of the raggediest roads in the country. We got bridges falling down. We got roads where trucks can't get goods in and out. And now we got an idea. We got a concept. I'm so glad to see this. Y'all don't know how tickled I am to see that the chairman has come up with a concept to take care of the babies. Well, we've been gaffing them all along, cutting education, giving corporate tax breaks away to everybody. Now we come up with a concept to take care of the school children of this state. Man, I'm so proud of y'all. I just couldn't stay in my seat any longer and not rejoice with the work that you are trying to do to take care of the children of this state. I am so happy to see that the chairman has come up with a concept, a concept that will put some money in the roads and bridges. See, the supervisors back home are perplexed on how they're going to fix the roads. You got infrastructure in some of these communities where sewer lines are busting and folk can't ride up and down the street. You got folk constantly going, getting alignments on their vehicles because these raggedy roads are tearing them up. In fact, you can't find a way here to this capital without bumping into 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 potholes. I am so happy that we are going to put some money in the coffers to fix these roads. Representative John Hines speaking in favor of the Internet sales tax bill from the House floor, along with Representative Jeff Smith and Representative Steve Holland. Among the House members voting against the bill is Representative Joel Bumgar, a Republican from Madison. He says the bill goes against his conservative principles. Ladies and gentlemen, the people of Mississippi did not send a Republican supermajority to their capital to raise their taxes. That is not why we are here. Now, some people are going to tell you it's not a tax increase. It's just an action that results in people paying more taxes. Seriously, I mean, what kind of semantic games are we going to play with this? That's the stuff they do in Washington. Let's leave that in Washington, not right here in Jackson. If you take an action... That results in everyone paying more taxes. That's called a tax increase. As far as enforcing something that's already on the books. Look, 
all the time we don't like stuff that's on the books, then we change it. And then suddenly we get to something that's going to result in higher taxes and we say, you know what, the number one thing we got to worry about is enforcing the law. Well, every other law we don't like, we change. Why, when it's raising taxes, is it suddenly all about enforcement instead of changing it? A supermajority can change the law and make life better for people. Our focus here should be growing our economy. What we are doing here today is a zero-sum game. Every dollar we collect is one fewer dollar that Mississippians have in their pocket. This is not a bigger pie where we all get more. This is a same-size pie where we take from them and we get their money. It's a zero-sum game. We should be focused on growing our economy so that tax revenues go up while the economy gets bigger for everyone, not reaching into the pockets of the taxpayers because we don't want to get our house in order and spend the money on infrastructure that we already have. Representative Joel Bumgar. Representative Dana Criswell went so far as to say he's embarrassed his fellow Republicans would support the Internet sales tax. I'm usually not nervous when I come up here, but I'm nervous today. Because I'm coming up here today because I am angry and embarrassed that I have to be in this spot. I'm a new guy. Year and a half now. I'm a new guy. I was elected as a conservative to come here to reduce the size of government, to stop the, the government reaching into our pockets and taking more and more money. That's why I was elected and that's why I came here. What I'm being done, what's being done to me now is I'm being pushed and we're being pushed to reach our hands into the pockets of the citizens of Mississippi and we're asking us now then to take 50 to 100 million dollars out of their pocket. We can call it not a tax and we can do all that and we can say it, it is political doublespeak because what the people of Mississippi know is yesterday I was not paying this, today I am. So you can call it what you want, but it is a government going after more money and we're taking that money from the people of Mississippi. As a conservative Republican, I am ashamed to be a part of a house and a part of the legislature that is doing this to the people of Mississippi. Read this bill. Read the title of this bill. If you want to talk about government things that are just plain stupid, the title of this bill says we are redefining in-state to include those who are out-of-state. Now, again, that is a federal government trick that we see that comes from Washington. I had hoped it would not come from Jackson, but apparently it is. I'll leave you with this. There are some of you that push this green button that are Republicans that I believe are going to be primaried. You're not coming back. The people of this state did not elect us to do this. They elected us to reduce the size of government. Representative Dana Criswell is a Republican from Olive Branch. We also heard Representative Joel Bumgar speaking against House Bill 480. The bill passed the House by a 79 to 38 vote and now goes to the Senate. Hear why Jackson State University will be returning more than a million dollars to the federal government. That's next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Creature Comforts, we talk about Mississippi's abundant wildlife with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and a special guest each week. 
Also, Dr. Troy Major is on hand to answer questions about your pets. I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Thursday mornings at 9 with a repeat broadcast Saturday mornings at 6 for Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In for Karen Brown this morning, I'm Kevin Farrell. Jackson State University has agreed to pay more than a million dollars to the federal government to settle allegations the university mismanaged National Science Foundation grants. The federal prosecutor says JSU agreed to repay the money after an investigation by the foundation's inspector general. That inquiry found Jackson State failed to keep accurate records of the time employees spent working on work related to the grant. It also found JSU fabricated some of the missing records it gave to auditors, a claim Jackson State would not address. University spokesman Danny Blanton tells MPB's Ezra Wall the university has taken corrective action. Well, this has been ongoing for quite some time. I mean, the incidents that occurred that resulted in the audit occurred over 10 years ago. It was a result of discrepancies in time and effort reporting. Um, it had nothing to do with mismanagement of funds. Um, in fact, uh, specifically, it had to do with lack of time and effort reporting during the um, prescribed time period, which was 2006 through 2011. Um, the individuals that were in, involved uh, when the incident occurred are, are no longer involved in the grant management process. And, um, and in, in early 2013, we implemented um, some uh, specific corrective action measures to, uh, to uh, ensure that the grant management process is run uh, more efficiently and that uh, uh, issues of this nature wouldn't occur again. You know, most important Importantly, is an electronic system that was implemented to track uh, time and effort reports of employees working on grants projects. So that in itself ensures that nothing of this nature would happen again. And that was early 2013. So that's been in place now for four years and part of our uh, normal operating procedure. Um, also, uh, you know, um, the the uh, uh, the settlement amount um, it will in no way affect our cash reserves or our operating budget immediately. Uh, we're working with IHL to uh, to make sure that's paid in a timely manner. Um, but as far as uh, as far as our cash reserves and our operating budget goes, and and our efforts in place to address that those situations, they will continue as they as they have and as they and as we plan for them, you know, as we have planned in the future. So you're currently uh, uh, there are currently active grants from NSF that that uh, from the National Science Foundation that are ongoing at Jackson State. Yes, sir. Our relationship with the National Science Foundation has not changed. Uh, we continue to do um, um, research uh, projects for them, receive millions of dollars in grant funding from them, as we always have, and, and we look forward to doing in the future. So we just want to continue a positive relationship with the National Science Foundation and other agencies who fund our, our research projects. So tell me a little, you mentioned that the, that the employees involved in this are not part of grant management anymore. Are they still employed at JSU? Um, some are. Some, some have retired. Um, but they uh, they're not working in grants management anymore. Okay. Anybody lose their job over this? No, no, no. They were either reassigned or they were or they retired. I mean, I know that as part of the settlement, the university didn't admit liability, and and I understand that. Um, um, but I guess some people uh, I've seen already on social media people wondering. Uh, why no one's being prosecuted for this? And I know that's part of a settlement, but but I guess my my question to that is is 
Um, I mean, we're talking about, you know, falsifying uh, hours reports and stuff like that. I mean, what's, uh, not, no, no, let's get the terminology correct. Okay. Uh, we're not falsifying anything. It was lack of time and effort reporting over the time period um, that the audit was done. Um, if this so, was a so if this was a prosecutable offense, we wouldn't have reached such an amicable um, uh, settlement agreement. So there wasn't any instance of of any faked records uh, being handed into auditors. Well, I don't know the specifics, and I don't want to get into specifics. Um, I, I can tell you what uh, what I understand from the settlement agreement, which is what I just said. So, so does this settlement put an end to the issue? Is is there any further prosecution that that uh, you see from the university's perspective coming uh, coming down the road? Well, there's a compliance agreement uh, that we that we'll enter into. Um, but like I said, we still we maintain a very strong relationship with the National Science Foundation. I mean, as, as far as we're concerned, this puts this issue behind us, and we're going to move forward and um, and enjoy a positive relationship with the National Science Foundation and other agencies. You mentioned that. This this was not a, a, a financial mismanagement issue, um, and and so uh, um, it may be a little bit redundant for me to ask, but you know people are going to be interested as a state university, as a taxpayer-funded institution. Were there any state funds or taxpayer funds involved in, in any area of this issue? No, this was not this uh, this was not this did not involve mismanagement of any funds. All right, uh, Danny Blanton is the uh, interim executive director of University Communications for Jackson State. Danny, thank you very much for spending some time with us. Thank you for letting me talk to you. Mississippi author Michael Ferris-Smith takes us down Desperation Road. That's next in this week's Book Club. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Aaron, who's called in from Arkansas. Mary in Ocean Springs. Marlou is on the line in Jackson. Rachel is in Clarksdale. At MPB Think Radio, we are everywhere you want to go. Sardis, Henleyville, Greenwood, Jackson, Oxford, Ocean Springs, Meridian, Hattiesburg, and we're going to Memphis. So go anywhere you want. We'll be right there with you. MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. Hey, it's Peter Sagal. Are you resolved to lose a few pounds this year? How about a few thousand pounds through the Public Radio Vehicle Donation Diet? Donate your old car, truck, or RV to support this station and drop a lot of unwanted weight from your garage in a matter of days. And you'll feel great because you're also supporting public radio in the biggest of ways. It's easy, fast, and you may even earn a tax write-off. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In for Karen Brown this morning, I'm Kevin Farrell. Author Michael Ferris-Smith is out with his new novel next week. It's called Desperation Road and centers around a man released from prison after 12 years, as well as a woman and her daughter seen walking down the road dragging all their belongings with them in a plastic bag. In this week's book club, Smith says his love of words comes from an unlikely source. The one thing I could always kind of do easiest or I felt like I was the best at was writing, like writing a paper or a writing copy for a project or for a presentation. It just seemed to kind of come more natural to me than other things. I think growing up in the church and being around gospel music, too, I kind of just had this love of the lyricism of words, I think. I like the way they sounded. And like when I started reading, really, for the first time as an adult, I would just read passages over and over again that I just thought were just beautiful way to put words together. 
So perhaps maybe it was in me in some in some way as a reader, and then later when I began writing for myself, I could just really appreciate the way things sounded. Desperation Road is your second novel, and it's funny. I was reading what others have said about it, and the thread from all these comments seems to be an oh-my-God reaction to this book. So tell us a little bit about it and why that might be the reaction from readers. Well, first of all, that's a very nice reaction. I think anytime you hear somebody say, oh, my God, or wow, that's really all the review I need. I don't even need to hear anything else after that. Desperation Road began for me with just this image of this woman and child walking along the side of the road during a very hot Mississippi summer day, and they are dragging everything they have in a garbage bag with them. And I could not get that image out of my mind, and I just began to follow them. Maven is the mother, and Annalie is the little girl, and what could possibly have happened to them or be happening to them for them to be in this situation? And then I began to wonder, who's going to help them? Or how or how are they going to get from point A to point B? And what is the next step? I immediately knew where they were, too, when I, when I thought about them. They were going to be down around my hometown of Magnolia Macomb. They're walking right across the Louisiana line into Mississippi, and they're headed for the Fernwood truck stop. And um, by the time that night's over, a very tough situation for them has gotten to be even tougher. I think using that landscape for my home area really worked because of it being kind of rural. um, And there's so many back roads and there's so much empty space. And that's where things tend to happen. And things happening in the dark or away from other people and for novel writing is usually a pretty good thing to be using. Now tell us a little bit about the person, the other character, who plays a big role in this book. Yeah, Russell is uh, kind of the parallel thread. And after I kind of got done with the tension and the kind of the intensity of maybe the Emily in those opening few chapters, I wanted to find another thread to bring in. So Russell's been away from Macomb for 11 years, and he's coming home from Parchman when he uh, killed a kid. 11 years earlier, driving drunk, and the moment he steps off the bus there in Macomb, the older brothers of the of the young man that he killed are standing there waiting on him, and they, they're not playing around. They've been waiting on their revenge for 11 years, and they go right after him. And Russell feels like he's paid his debt. He, he hasn't lost any guilt over what he's done, but he realizes that just because he's home, things are not going to be easy, and they're not easy. And him and when him and when I knew him and Mabin were going to cross paths at some point, And I was just kind of waiting for that thing to happen. And when they do cross paths and then they figure out what secret it is they share from a long time ago. Is that the oh, my God moment? (laughs) Oh, my God. That may be the oh, my God. (laughs) But it's certainly that collision, that loud bang, you know, that I hope to find when I'm writing a story. It was just kind of like the crash of symbols for me when I realized what tied them together. And they're both living very tense from moment to moment, too. So. Their threads cross in a lot of ways. The book takes place in Mississippi, as you said. Is Mississippi itself a character in this book? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm always drawn, have been drawn to stories and writers who use setting as a character itself. And Mississippi is definitely a character in this book. Uh, One of the nicest things anybody has said to me about this novel is that if they wanted to tell somebody or show somebody what Mississippi is like, this is the novel they would hand them to read. And I thought that was just a very high compliment. Mississippi, the landscape here and the people here, uh, they are a character in themselves. And 
those are the stories that I love where place impacts what is going on and place is a role itself. And quite honestly, if you're living in Mississippi and writing in Mississippi and you're not using Mississippi itself as a character, you're missing out on something big time anyway. Well, the new book is Desperation Road, and we've been speaking with its author, Michael Ferris-Smith. Michael, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I was happy to talk to you. Michael Ferris-Smith will be signing Desperation Road at two Mississippi locations next week. Wednesday, he's at Lemuria Books in Jackson. Thursday, at Square Books in Oxford. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programming all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, MPB Season Pass. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Maybe you start your day with the news on Morning Edition and catch up later with All Things Considered, but the news doesn't wait. Stories evolve during the day in courtrooms, financial markets, on the streets, and at kitchen tables locally, nationally, and all around the world. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Each weekday, check in with Here and Now for the news as it is happening. That's Here and Now from WBUR and NPR News. Weekdays at noon on MPB Think Radio. It's Marketplace Tech for February 2nd. I'm Ben Johnson in New York. Big companies make big money.